You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Hi, Butch Patrick here, Eddie Munster. You're listening to the Neverland Podcast. Welcome to Neverland. Take a start of the right and start until morning. Hello and welcome to episode 96 of the Neverland Podcast. Make sure you take that pixie out of your pocket, sprinkle some of that pixie dust around and have your happiest thought. We are going to have some beginning of October fun, although uh, we're not really a haunted Neverland at this point. Uh, We've just got so much other things to cover, but uh, we've got some fall TV, superhero TV premieres, and we've got some theme park news, uh, some kind of really big news that so far from what I've seen a lot of people are not very happy about. Uh, We are also going to start, during October, I'm going to have the an iTunes review drive. What I want you to do is write us a review on iTunes. Make sure you copy and paste that in an email to podcast at neverlandpodcast.com and there will be some prizes for at least three of you, uh, unless Jesse wants to add something, there could be four, for giving us an iTunes review. But let's get started. This is Gary Gnu, and the no Gnu's is good Gnu show. The only TV Gnu's program guaranteed to get a no Gnu's whatsoever. Neverland news from the Disney parks. Okay, I'm going to just read this exactly the way uh, Theme Park Insider has has phrased this out. But uh, the Walt Disney World and Disneyland Resorts have both raised their prices for their annual passes. And they just did this overnight. I'm recording here on Sunday, and I found out about this by looking at Facebook through uh, some various other Disney fans. And people are really kind of upset about these price increases. And there's a lot of people saying that they're just not going to renew. Uh, Now, here's where I'm going to read directly from what the Theme Park Insider says. It says, At Walt Disney World, Disney is introducing gold, platinum, and platinum plus passes, replacing the old Florida seasonal pass, annual pass, and premium annual pass. The gold pass will sell for $549 and includes admission to all Walt Disney World parks with 43 blockout dates. The Platinum Pass sells for $749 and is good every day of the year and now throws in Photo Pass downloads. The Platinum Plus Pass also adds the water parks and ESPN Wide World of Sports admissions and Oak Trail Gold Course green fees. Discounts for renewals and for Florida residents remain available. Uh, previously, for Florida resident seasonal annual passes sold for $329, and annual passes roughly the equivalent of the new the new platinum pass sold for $654. So it was roughly a $100 to $200 price increase. I've been seeing on Facebook some people feel like they've got a $300 increase on theirs. Uh, But here's also what Theme Park Insider has to say about the other side of the world. At Disneyland, the Disney... The, it says the Disney will no longer sell premium annual passes. It's funny that they, they actually have a but Disney. Uh, but Disney will no longer sell premium annual passes while adding Signature and Signature Plus levels. The Southern California Select Pass increases from 299 to 329. The Deluxe Pass increased from 549 from 599. Well, they didn't word that very well either. <laughs> But the new Signature AP is reported to cost $849, an increase from the $779 for the old Premium Pass. However, the Signature Pass will be blocked out for two weeks over the Christmas holidays. The Signature Plus Pass will have no blockout dates and costs reported $1,049. And the two Disneyland Signature Passes will also now include PhotoPass downloads. Uh, the two resort premier pass, which includes both Walt Disney World and Disneyland, now sells for $1,439 plus tax, an increase from $1,000.99. So that's that's at least the $300 increase, I guess, right there. That probably some people are talking about because that's a little more than $300. I mean, this is a really big increase, I think. Uh, but I'm figuring this is probably paying 
for the new Star Wars land, the new Toy Story land. So uh, I guess you're putting more money into the parks for more things, and you're, you're going to get a lot of things that you want. But uh, I have a feeling they might be hitting a tipping point where some people just really can't afford that uh, because they have a lot of you know non-California, non-Florida residents, but they just like to frequently visit the parks, and they'll buy these annual passes, and they'll just repeatedly use it and feel like they were getting their money's worth. They might not feel like they're getting their money's worth now unless they're living near one of the parks. So I, I'm sure people who live near the parks, they could go every day if they wanted to, you know. They probably will. Say, oh well, that's okay. I'm you know, I'm getting my money's worth if I can. You know, I can visit at least 20 times a year, you know. So yeah, I, it might hurt their sales. Now I know the increase in ticket sales has not really been that popular for some of us that really have a hard time affording it, and uh, it's it is becoming to uh, I think a lot of us here in Middle America that trip to a Disney park might be that once in a lifetime event, uh, and uh, you know I don't know. I mean they're 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 paying for all these new things, so uh, we'll just see how this works out. Okay, as another quick announcement, this is not theme park news, but I mentioned previously that Behind the Magic, another Disney podcast, was having a tournament of Disney podcasts, and round two has begun. They have told us that this category now is creativity, so they wanted me to create about approximately a two-minute segment, as well as a two-minute sort of elevator pitch on why the judges should choose my two-minute segment to be the winner of this round. Uh, They didn't say I couldn't share it with you guys, but uh, I do want you to go uh, go, behind the magic. Uh, I think that you know, if you search for BTM or Behind the Magic, you should be able to find them on iTunes and everything. You go check out the podcast. Uh, they seem to do a, a little bit more of a daily. They have short shows and everything. They get kind of behind the scenes on a lot of things around Disney parks. So, very fun little show. But um, I wanted to go ahead and preview what I have submitted for the creativity uh, right here because I think it's really kind of fun and cute, and I thought you would enjoy it. And uh, uh, this is the only way Heather gets to be a part of the show this week. So, uh, here it is. Well, hey there, Behind the Magic fans. We're Jeremy the Spider-Pan. And Heather the Windy Nerd from the Neverland Podcast. I'd like to talk to you a bit about what it's like when you like Disney, but you find yourself living with a fanatic. I have to admit, I knew Jeremy had a few interesting quirks before I married him. Look, honey, I made my 12-inch Spider-Man figure look like he's web-swinging across the room by nailing strings to the wall. I'm sitting right now in a room filled with toys that he calls an office. Studio. I record a podcast in here. Yes, dear. But I had no idea what would happen when an old friend of his invited him to Walt Disney World. Woohoo! I'm no longer a Disney Park virgin! But when he got back, he was different. Well, look at this, honey. It's a Haunted Mansion life game. We have to play this every Halloween. Oh, look, honey. I got you a beaker keychain. Well, hey, why aren't you using it? So now the toys... Display items. Whatever, dear. They're spreading all over our home. It's not just in this studio. It's in the living room. It's in the bedroom. Hey, look what I got. It's a plush Mickey Mouse. Isn't he adorable? And now Mickey watches over us when we sleep. And soon he made friends. I can't leave him without his best pals, Donald and Goofy. Oh, look, honey. It's Mickey dressed like Spider-Man. Oh, yes. And how could I forget the days when his obsessions were suddenly combined? Always the Spider-Man and Star Wars fan, now Disney has brought them all together. Oh, look at these figures! They're Disney characters dressed as Star Wars characters! I've got to hang them all on the wall! There are some benefits, though. I love anime, and Disney has released the Studio Ghibli movies over here in the United States. Happy birthday! Merry Christmas! Guess what I got for you! Now I can watch Spirited Away anytime I want. What you watching? Oh, Spirited Away. What you watching? Howl's Moving Castle. What you watching? Spirited Away. What you watching? Castle in the Sky. What you watching? Spirited Away. Well, okay, so I have my fandom too. I guess that's what makes us a good pair. And that's why you're my new co-host on the Neverland Podcast. On iTunes and Stitcher. And NeverlandPodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening. And keep a pixie in your pocket. Time out. The Great Space Coaster will return after these messages. Check <laughs> 
The kids of the 70s and 80s are all grown up, but the good times of childhood don't have to end. Our generation can share the fun and fandom of our youth with the next generation and bring the past into the future. And wrap it all up to make a fantastic present. Join Jedi Schwar and Shaz Bazaar every Monday morning to get your work week started by reminiscing about the past and exploring the future with your earbuds on Techno Retro Dads. So find us on iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, or on TechnoRetroDads.com, part of the Shot Glass Digital Network. I'm in. Now back to the program. Okay, Neverlanders, it's time to get our geek on. Big time. There is a lot of fall TV that we have to be prepared for. And some of it is new, but a lot of it is some returning favorites that uh, really, I, over the last year, I got pretty excited about, you know, these shows have been going in great directions. But in order to talk about these shows, I needed to bring in some experts because... I tend to forget sometimes what happened in the previous season, and sometimes it's fun to talk about with other people about what you might see coming in the next season. So we're here with Jedi Schwa, also known as Josh on other, some of his other shows, from Techno Retro Dads and Scarlet Velocity and Green Justice and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Case Files, and also his partner, Jay Shepard, which I don't think you have a cool nickname, do you? Oh, yeah. Oh, I totally do. (laughs) It's way better than mine. (laughs) <laughs> jovial jay jovial jay well hey that's a good it's good to be jovial in neverland it helps you fly yeah <laughs> so that does work but uh, my goodness fall tv has just got so much stuff in the far as in the genre of superhero tv we'll just kind of keep it there of course um but we'll start okay like i mentioned you guys have a show that's agents of shield case files i figure that's on itunes it is yes and any other good locations for it, a website or anything? Uh, randomchatter.com is the uh, is the home for all the uh, superhero podcasts that, that we do together. And, and shortly, you'll also be able to find them on <clears throat> forcecast.net in the uh, Outer Rim channel uh, over there. Awesome. You're spreading out. <laughs> but uh, So let's talk a little bit about Agents of Shields. Now, at the time of this recording, the uh, premiere of the third season was actually just last night. And I just watched it this afternoon. Uh, I tell you what, I am blown away. I uh, I think this might be one of their best seasons yet. Uh, I'm really excited about this season because, uh, and uh, Jane, I've kind of talked a little bit about this um, on our show that that's coming up. There is so many different ways that they could go this season, and I think they have a lot more uh, options for for cool storylines. So. Um, the premiere just uh, it blew me away, and and uh, they're already kind of hitting the ground running right away with new kinds of superpowers and um, uh, lots of uh, uh, dangers that they're going to have to take care of. As I oh, was yeah. talking with my uh, comic shop owner today, he was checking with me. He's like, "Did they do a previously on Shield at the beginning of this episode?" And I'm like, "No, I don't think so." And he's like, "Because I could not remember for the life of me what happened last season." <laughs> and so he had to go to Netflix and review it. There was so much going on, and I was—I mean, I was very excited by the premiere, but I was also kind of disappointed because I didn't get to some of the storylines that I really wanted to find out more about in this first episode, especially with stuff with uh, Agent Ward. I wanted to see what was going on with him, but I I think they took care of the most important stuff and where they're going based on what we've seen from this episode and, and what they've, what they've talked about and, you know, uh, with the secret warriors and all that kind of stuff that's coming up. This, this is a real, real strong season. It looks like so far. Yeah. yeah, I think that's partially why a lot of people struggled with the first season is it, it had some powers kind of the first episode, but then it's functioned a little bit more uh, with the being agents and, you know, like we're a gov- secret but not quite government agency kind of thing. And they were behaving like agents. And I think some people just weren't able to follow with that. So I think coming out this strong with this much with powers, I think is going to attract the people who just love super powered stuff. And when you come out flying with a guy who's melting metal and then now, you know, Daisy, formerly Sky, has got full control over her powers. And I forget what her actual name is in the comics, her uh, superhero name. Hmm? Quake. Quake, yes. I keep wanting to call her Vibe, but that's a completely different thing. Yep. Which hopefully we'll be able to talk about Vibe maybe sometime this season as well on a different show. Sounds like it. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. (laughs) So now now if you don't uh, already know this, they're... they're, Taking a lot of the uh, storyline ideas from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, this season from a comic book storyline um, called Secret Warriors. Uh, and and that was a very, uh, oh, I don't know, Jay, would you say it was a, kind of an I- iconic storyline uh, that that uh, 
went on for a little while a few years ago. Um, yeah, I mean it was its own it was its own series, um, mm-hmm. but it uh, it it definitely continued the Shield storyline after the um, uh, uh, was a Secret Invasion crossover event. It kind of picked up some of the threads from that and the dis- dissolution of Shield, I guess. Yeah, and so a lot of the um, stories that they're going to have this season were at, le- at least inspired by uh, some of the uh, events in that comic book storyline. So people are pretty excited about that because it was a it was a well loved comic. Also, I'm seeing uh, because I I haven't really kept up with the Inhumans. I've kind of started narrowing down where I was just reading Spider Man, but now not even that because they've messed with that so much. Yeah. But that's a whole other issue. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I had to go and actually look up Lash. To see who he was after he made this appearance in there, because oh my gosh, he—I thought from the silhouette that they teased a little bit that it was um, uh, Reina coming back. Mm-hmm. So I thought, wait a minute, isn't she dead? But then it turns out somebody else who has a very kind of porcupine sort of look, and it's this guy Lash, who they kept pretty secret of what he's up to. But if you go and look at it, I guess it's like—I uh, had to look around. It's like Inhumans one and two. Yeah. You'll see his some of his first appearances, and you'll find out a reason why some of the Inhumans are disappearing, and some of them are found dead. There's probably more that are disappearing that are not dead that maybe we'll see later. But I don't want to spoil anything of what I've learned, but it looks like they're focusing on his storyline a little bit as well. Right. And interestingly enough, with the uh, the fish oil premise that they have where there's part of this Terrigen mist crystal stuff that got into the fish and was ground up into the fish oil, which is what caused uh, uh, Joey, Rodri- uh, Joey Gutierrez or whoever it was at the beginning of the show to develop his superpowers um, – Lash actually developed his superpowers. He was uh, he was just a small little character named Sonic uh, that ingested some fish oil and then you know grew up to this big bad bad guy, <laughs> big scary bad guy, <laughs> looking for rings. Uh, <laughs> he is looking for rings. <laughs> <laughs> no, my gosh, yes, because he does kind of look like Sonic the Hedgehog. Now I've got that in my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's all ruined and for me now. <laughs> she's, she's gonna just. She's gonna. Daisy's gonna hit him with big, you know, quake powers, and they're all gonna fly out of him. It's, uh, just, yeah, all the rings will. <laughs> and then some weird little fox and human with two tails will come flying. Okay. <laughs> yeah. See, they got lots of possible stories there. <laughs> yeah, they, there's much they can do with that. Oh my uh, goodness! Now, so then Hydra will come out with this doctor guy who's he's trapping small animals and turning them into robots. <laughs> and <laughs> now, uh, you know, we still the the premiere didn't tell us anything. Like you said, Jay, uh, nothing about Ward. Um, we also don't know where May is at these days. So uh, I'm anxious to see Agent May, and I know that uh, that's been teased a little bit on Twitter, or at least. Uh, they're, they are teasing us. I don't know how much mm. information we've got, but um, she definitely will be back soon, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, I guess she's off uh, rekindling with her uh, ex-husband. Because all, all that was said was Colson mentions that she's on been on a vacation, and he feels like he's missing his right arm as well as his left. Yes. Yeah, very cool. Which, how cool is this robotic arm Colson has? I fooled the bad guys, that was for sure. I thought that was, that was great that uh, when they were handcuffing him, I'm like, that's he's going to get out of that pretty easily, I think. <laughs> the same thing. Like yeah, I just love the way he uh, to to make sure everybody had noticed because you I wasn't thinking about his arm getting chopped off until he, he's uh, talking to uh, oh uh, Hunter and says, "Well, I wouldn't want to do anything that makes you feel uncomfortable," and he just twists and pulls the arm off and sets it down. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's a perfect way to remind us, oh, yeah, he had to have his arm chopped off. And then later, I love in the research lab that you see his arm is there under glass being studied in the research lab. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they did a really. Like, that's just awesome. They did a good job of that. And I was concerned about how they were going to pull that off. And, you know, he just wears long sleeves and, and a glove. And it's so Clark Gregg can walk around and do the majority of his work. And it was only kind of in the one scene at the end of the episode where – he had, I you know, probably had to wear like a blue sock on his hand so they could mm-hmm. digitally edit it out and stuff like that. But uh, uh, well done. I, I, I want to see more. He said it was his, I don't know, third or fourth hand that he'd gone through. So uh, I, I feel like maybe we're going to see upgrades throughout the the season, which would be kind of cool. Maybe get one with a claw and a you know fish hook or something. I don't know, or uh, you know, uh, 
some uh, advanced technological weapons, maybe borrowed a little bit from a little bit of alien technology. Yeah, a little Deathlock uh, action there. Yeah. Well, you know, they, they took uh, Sky and turned her into a character that already is established in the Marvel Universe, you know, <laughs> in, in Daisy Johnson. And maybe they're taking Coulson and they're establishing him as, like, Inspector Gadget or something. <laughs> <laughs> Go, go, shield clock. Sorry about that, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny if Nick Fury actually comes back and comes out of hiding and everything, and then he gives him a, this message will self-destruct in two seconds. Oh. Yeah, Darn it, I just killed Nick Fury again. Communicating with it. <laughs> yeah. so. But no, I, oh I am very goodness. excited. I think I'm even more excited this season uh, for S.H.I.E.L.D. than I was um, last season, and... and uh, uh, I thought they did a pretty good job, at least uh, uh, after after they really started getting going. The second half of the season started getting really exciting. So yeah, the, um, the lead-in from season one was was an, a, a pickup at the end of season one, and so I think season two started off pretty well. But then it it had a little falter uh, in the first half. But second half of last year was great, and uh, this just picked up and just kept kept running with the ball. So I'm hoping they can. Uh, kind of elevate everything and, and get more people watching. Uh, I think a lot of people are, uh, I know I have some friends I know that started watching and they did like the first year just because they felt they wanted to commit to that. But then they were like, nah, this is kind of lame. And I'm like, it, it's really gotten to a great spot. And that's what we try to uh, tell people about on our show uh, just to, you know, keep people interested in it. And it's not like we're a hundred percent sold on it all the time. There's, there's a lot of time where I'm just complaining about, uh, this show specifically, there were a lot of faults uh, with it, but they they are they're trying to do the right thing, I think, and uh, and have really, I think, found their niche now. Yeah, and especially expanding into other planets with uh, Simmons being somewhere on some planet, who knows where. That's so much potential for her to maybe have an encounter with. Uh, well, we've already seen the Kree introduced in the cinematic universe, but I'd love to see some scrolls. Yeah, although I've, nice. I've I've heard rumor that Fox maybe is still trying to claim on them because of Fantastic Four, but they've never used a scroll. Right. So I'm thinking, forget you guys, let's have some scrolls. Yeah, supposedly the Chitari are the closest thing they could have done to that, since they are supposedly shapeshifters as well. Um, I wouldn't mm. mind for them to, uh, you know, drop in a little Guardians of the Galaxy reference. Um, yeah, you know, before too long. But yeah, introducing any of the other number of um, alien races. Uh, you know, I mean, there's there's a bajillion out there that they could do. So it'd be it'll be pretty interesting to see what what happens in the next week or two as they start to resolve that storyline. Yeah, and it'd be a stretch, but I'd love to see Darkhawk. If anybody remembers Darkhawk, one of the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Was he? I believe so. Well, well, I don't, well not not from the old school, but I'm talking um, unless they've retconned it. But Darkhawk, they had it, it was a newer series in the '90s, and they've expanded it to be in this galactic type of group that was all these different people with these hawk armor kind of things. Uh, but in the 90s is when they first d- uh, introduced the, the character and that he was actually part of, I believe, the New Warriors for a while. Uh, it's okay. been a long time. I've got most of the, the series, so it's kind of little known. They um, A few years ago, they did bring the concept of Darkhawks back for some sort of event, but they didn't really focus on the, on Chris Powell, who was the main character of the original books. But you know, I'm, thinking know. Of, I'm thinking of Starhawk. Ah, Darkhawk, Starhawk. <laughs> but yeah, if you're not familiar with Darkhawk, go look it up. Uh, it's probably very hard to find any of the comics because the, the series doesn't run anymore and it hasn't run for about 10 years or more now. Uh, but I'd love to see, you know, just because it was a very cool character, that just it kind of faded to obscurity. But the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been a great way for obscure characters to get a little bit of limelight and mm-hmm. then grow and expand and suddenly become popular. Very Definitely. cool. And especially... I, I like how they've used the Inhumans because they were, you know, I only knew a little bit about the Inhumans because they're kind of more like the Fantastic Four's world and I'm always more of a Spider-Man guy. But it's it's great how they can use them in place of not being able to use mutants or even utter the word mutant thanks to Fox. Yeah, yeah they, they, they've gotten really clever about that and the fact that they're setting this up in advance of a movie that's not due out for, I don't know, three or four years now. I um, believe 2016 I was for the humans, wasn't it? No, it's going to be 20. It's, it's 2018. If 2018 at, at the earliest, uh, 2016 mm. is going to be captain America, civil war and, um, Dr. Strange. Oh yes. So it's November of 2018 is what it looks like. So 
you know, it's still right now it's three years away. And uh, if they're using um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to introduce these characters, they can also probably use uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 to introduce them a little bit further. And uh, just mm-hmm. think in three years, like how much they're going to grow and how how familiar they're going to be to everybody. So that's uh, that's pretty exciting because these are these are relatively obscure characters. I don't think a lot of people outside of comics know about these these characters. They're yeah, the it, you know the the main in humans at least. And it's nice that uh, we have this TV show that can pull these minor characters and then they can be kind of used. I I would like to see them do much much more in the um, uh, in the movies that's connected to Agents of Shield because I think there's a lot of a lot of potential there. So we'll see how how far that goes. And, and you know even uh, uh, to some extent uh, Agent Carter. Um, when mm-hmm. that when that ends up uh, coming back later on this season, and you know they they even uh, used her in Ant Man at the beginning. Yeah. So um, I was nice. I, I like that they're still making these connections. It's yeah, I think it's good. And of course, somewhere before the end of this season, I fully expect to have some sort of connection to the Civil War. That is a, a hypothesis of ours as well, as mm-hmm. they seem to be linking stuff. And there was definitely a lot more links last night back to Ant-Man and to Avengers yeah. Age of Ultron. So um, we're looking forward to that, uh, you know, come, uh, what would that be, end of April, early May, as they come down to the last few episodes. So very exciting to see what happens. Okay, but as we have beat that subject pretty well to death. Oh, well, I guess unless other do we have any other predictions on something you think might be in the works before we let it go cuz we know definitely it's going to be something to civil war cuz they've been very good uh every season pretty much of linking it right straight into something. Uh, Anything else you're expecting? Josh and I talked a little bit about this. We think that they might do a little more linking between uh, Agent Carter and Agent Shield, Agents of Shield with um the Levi- uh, Leviathan group uh, is that the group that yeah. the Russian the Russian mm-hmm. group that was fighting against Carter in the in the first episode um, yeah, now that, and created Black Widow right right and now that Ward's rebuilding Hydra he's mm-hmm. obviously looking around to hook up with other groups so there still may be some Splinter Hydra groups out there but uh, Leviathan may be a group that's coming back because they also feature in the Secret Warriors storyline that. Agents of Shield appears to be drawing from, so I think there's yeah, a lot. And, of and Ward is going to need to start getting some uh, some allies, uh, so he has some some people to play around with and and uh, give him a hard time. Oh yeah, which I think he's going to be quite involved here pretty soon because uh, I'm try- I was trying to remember uh, when it was mentioned that you know as Hunter was very upset about the injury to Bobby's knee, or I like to just call her Mockingbird, even though they've never named her that. Because uh, I'm thinking, didn't Ward have something to do with her knee? Well, uh, yeah, he beat her up and t- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was, I was trying to remember. It's like, did he shoot her or did he just beat the daylights no, out of her? No, he he kind of <laughs> gave her a, a a snap to the like he you know she was down on the ground and he stepped on her leg uh, in the fight oh, that they had yes. you know in addition to her fingernails and tying her up and beating her up and and her yeah, and now I remember in front of the gun and that gun took out <laughs> yeah. part of her lung. <laughs> So, I think it was. Yeah. But, well, I'm glad so. you guys remembered that because I had forgotten all about that. <laughs> yeah, that one was burned into my brain, unfortunately. But, uh. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a pretty good episode. I was I was kind of on the edge. I was like, she's kind of a mainstream Marvel character. You can't really just kill her. So I was wondering how that was going to end up, and that was very, very cool. And she may be getting her own spinoffs. Uh, they had, it's kind of on again, off again, but they have uh, said that they've ordered a uh, pilot for a Mockingbird Hunter uh, spin-off show called Marvel's Most Wanted. So uh, we're speculating. So it's that back a, again. <laughs> yeah, so it's back again, and it may be a summer, uh, maybe a summer series that we're getting. At, at this point, it's unknown what's going to happen with that. But uh, I like the I like those two characters together. Uh, they they uh, their banter is uh, is very amusing, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do with them further on this season and potentially in a spin-off. And potentially spinning off the Secret Warriors as well. I've been hearing a lot of buzz about that potentially becoming yet another series. That would be very cool. Yeah, Hmm. yeah. All right, but moving on to the next premiere. So next Tuesday, October the 6th. This is what got me starting watching uh, the Greg Berlanti-produced DC Comics television shows was The Flash. (laughs) Absolutely love that first season. It just killed it right out of the gate. Yeah, well, I, we were so excited 
just when we heard about the series, um, both Jay and I, we, you know, we, uh, like a lot of the, the DC heroes and, um, Flash has always been one of my favorite. So we weren't really sure if we wanted to, uh, do another podcast on it, but, uh, the more we started hearing about the series and, uh, seeing what it was going to look like, uh, and then watching the, I guess they'd still call it the pilot, right? When he was made a guest appearance on Arrow. Um, yeah. It, it, we were just too excited to not talk about it regularly. Yeah, we, so. we couldn't not do it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I was very pleased with the first season. Um, uh, you know, as we talk on our, our shows about all these uh, TV series, we're, we're pretty uh, we're pretty open and honest. And if something comes up that that was a little disappointing to us, we will we will mention it. Um, on our shows, uh, and honestly, there wasn't a whole lot during uh, the first season of Flash that we had to um, criticize much. I mean, I thought they did a really good job uh, using this character in this kind of new TV universe that they've developed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did hear on some other shows uh, that, that you know they would try to nitpick some things just to try to find something bad to say, but it's a, but it would be little tiny things like it's not really that big a deal and it won't ruin your enjoyment of the episode. But if you really wanted to dig in, this would be a problem here, but it's not really that big a problem. And, but yeah, I, I really couldn't complain because it, it it really did. It pulled me in from the first episode, and I, and I was we'll, – we'll get into talking about Arrow later. Arrow, the first episode of that, it kind of was like, eh, you know, so I, I really kind of stepped away from it. But it was when, when Stephen Amell made his guest appearance as Arrow there in The Flash, and I saw how that character had developed – that I started getting interested in going back to watch Arrow, and so it's all the Flash. I think to, to me at least helped bring this all together to get me interested. Yeah, I, I like I said, and I think you're, I think that's pretty uh, common actually um, among a lot of uh, fans that started watching Flash because it it became a, a pretty big property really quickly, and I think it um, uh, not only caused people to start watching, but I think it it, it made the producers and, and executives over there at CW. Uh, let them take it in any even more directions um and that's i think one of the reasons that we're going to be getting the legends of tomorrow series uh yeah uh, later on too so um and even i even to a point i would probably say supergirl over on cbs excited about that one too yeah you could say the flash got up to speed real quickly (laughs) i mean you could say that you could you could say that and we say things like that often i think because (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think what set Flash apart and I think helped it to accelerate and kind of change the game is it it had that level of levity and that bit of comic book fun uh, without being so dark. Because I, I kind of feel like people are getting a little tired of things being so gritty and so dark all the time. And, you know, going back and watching the first two and, well... Three kind of was still this way, but it was, it's dark and gritty, and there's that realism, and that's fine for a while. But after a while, you do want some fun, which I think is why they've made a decision with Arrow to they, – they've said this season's going to be a little bit lighter. And I think it's because they learned something from The Flash. Like, you know, it's okay to have a little levity or have a character like Cisco who's naming all the characters – and every bad guy has to have a name, yeah. you know. So having that level of fun, I, and I think that's why everybody liked Felicity when she was uh, first brought in, is because she was sort of the fun character because she would slip up and say something she didn't mean and have to try to make it sound better and stuff like that. That's why we loved Felicity. And as the, as she went on in air, I'm talking about the completely different series, trying to talk about the Flash. But as Felicity kind of developed, she got more in, in line with being the super serious, dark, gritty type of thing. And I really lost interest in Felicity. She was not near as much fun, except for her appearance on The Flash. Because they were like, oh, look, we can be light and levity with her again. Yeah, she was great on The Flash. And and, uh, her her chemistry with Barry um, uh, on uh, some of the extras on the the Blu-ray set, there's the original screen test, which is her and Barry because she spent so much time with him on the Arrow, uh, Mm -hmm. his first appearance on Arrow, you know, that that was what helped them decide to A, can't. Uh, cast Grant and Gustin and, and as um, you know, that they could really make this kind of serious work. And uh, I, I totally agree with you about the, the levity on the show. It, uh, it is kind of a, a breath of fresh air um, having that. And, and we, we definitely try to have fun on uh, Scarlet Velocity with that, um, especially with the villain thing. So not that we try to have a gimmick on all of our shows, but for whatever reason, it kind of worked out on, um, on Scarlet Velocity that, 
Josh will introduce himself, and then every time I introduce myself, I am introducing myself as the villain that week. Um, <laughs> and, of course, because they have such strange names that, you know, like the actual comic book names, um, yeah. we, you know, I try to come up with something funny, you know, and we play around with that throughout the episode. So it's uh, it adds a little, you know, a little something else that, uh, you know, we're having fun with just as, you know, in talking about the show that uh, we can kind of tie off the show well and and a a great thing about uh, having a show where we talk about the flash and having a series of the flash is that the character itself even in the comics has just this rich history of of a variety of villains um really interesting creative villains you know and sometimes people you would you would never expect i mean like the trickster you know yeah Um, and and uh, uh this rogues gallery so they have so many different characters that are really flash specific whereas you got your you know agents of shield and 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 even arrow where they're pulling villains from other uh franchises and other characters in the in the universes in the comic universes um whereas flash has these ready-made list of awesome villains so yeah, you got 10 easy to start, like you could probably just name 10 right off the bat and i think they you know they probably did 8 of those uh, or maybe they did all ten of them, you know, last season. That they hit, they hit the top, uh, f- at least top five villains. Oh uh, yeah, through the season, and you know, there were the villains that Josh and I both had as our, uh, you know, secret favorites. That you know, as long as they deal with this person at some point during the season, we'll be happy. And they went above and beyond, and perfectly cast uh, with a lot of them. I, I really love the the actor who's playing Captain Cold. Yes. Oh yeah, Wentworth <laughs> Miller. Yes, he's brought such a sinister charm to the character that it's just oh, because you because normally you know I remember him on the old Super Friends cartoon and he was always a little cheesy. So I was like, oh man, I hope they can do Captain Cold where he comes across a little better, and they just cast him perfectly because he's got that sinister cheese, but mixed with that the perfect amount of dark and evil charm kind of thing that just it just makes you want to see more of him. I'm very excited to have him part of the Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah, and bringing his uh, Prison Break co-star back to be Heat Wave was just I mean that was very inspired <laughs> casting with uh, Dominic Purcell there. I thought that was uh, pretty cool. Yeah, and introducing I had never heard of the Golden Glider even though they did some I guess some weird stuff with her powers, but mm-hmm. yeah, it might be an improvement in some ways because uh, apparently what she did before was she was pretty much like a rollerblader, you know. <laughs> She was like but DC's seeing, version of the Dazzler, I think. So. Yeah. Uh, so, but the the odd part with her golden gun, uh, for lack of a better term, there, Mister James Bond fan, um, it, where does she get all this gold from? Or do you think it's supposed to be like a weird gold uh, gold colored adhesive that she's spraying out of that gun? Because that'd be a lot of gold to generate. And couldn't she just instead of you know I don't know life of crime, just spray that gun for a while and get you a good stack of gold and then live high on the hog? Did, didn't we talk about this, Josh? The fact I, that if uh, Cisco was able to create some sort of alchemy machine, like why didn't he just keep it for himself? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I think we we kind of determined that it's not actually gold. It's just a gold-colored, you know, substance. <laughs> yeah, an adhesive gold. of some sort, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, she's so she's so vain and and uh, uh, loves the attention so much. I think that that she just really latched on to it. And I, I think even if it was real gold, I think she would still uh, <laughs> go out with her brother and and you know live that life of crime because of the <laughs> the excitement and the action. That just seems like the kind of person she is. Yeah. And, you know, maybe she'll be popping up in Legends of Tomorrow then as well. Who knows? Because she was rather a fun character. So Yeah, well, I, I am looking forward to some that they didn't get to, like Mirror Master, but I definitely want to see some of the return ones, and I am anxious to see if they bring Grodd back uh, this oh, season. Oh, I'm pretty sure he'll be back. The, the, the <laughs> Gorilla Grodd episodes were um, very well pulled off. I, those were the ones I was probably the most worried about. And also uh, that I was the most pleased about. So um, yeah, it, it was it was really fun to see how they did that. And uh, uh, you know, actually, we uh, over the summer we we were able to talk to um, the voice actor that uh, was able to you know do the voice of Grodd. Um, David Volobos. Yeah, David Soboloff. And, um, yeah, or Soboloff. Yeah. I keep wanting to call him Vo- Vobolos because that's his Twitter handle, which I had a bit of a hand in getting you connected with him. <laughs> yes, I'll you take did. I, so that's why I wanted to mention that. <laughs> so I wanted to, to thank you uh, for, for hooking us up with him. And, and uh, he was a great guy to talk 
would talk to and and um I'm I'm really hoping that they bring him back again this uh this year because that was just fantastic. Yeah, they they took something that could have been incredibly silly with a talking telepathic gorilla <laughs> and made it incredibly frightening. It, it, it was did, it, it, and it came across that way. And that was the we were you know we were concerned that it might be a little cartoony. But um, I also know that when we saw the uh, pilot and they had Grodd's cage there, I, you know, I had a chill go down my back because I'm like, it that is it, when if they can pull that off properly, they know how to handle the show. And right, so Berlanti is he knows what he's doing. I mean, he's he can go do anything he wants now, it seems like. <laughs> and he mm-hmm. is. <laughs> I just hope he doesn't overdo it and overstretch himself to where he just can't keep everything at the level of quality we've come to expect from him. Yeah, agreed. Because there was a lot of people worried that when The Flash started and The Flash was doing so well that maybe he was focusing his attention on The Flash and then kind of left the arrow to kind of do its own thing and it kind of wobbled a little bit during season three. Well, he's only, in a, I think, uh, an associate producer. He's not the main executive producer. Uh, I, I Guggenheim seems to be the one that leads Arrow for the most part. Berlanti's leading The Flash, but he's also going to be leading um, Supergirl. But, you know, he's mm-hmm. got a team with him and uh, a team of talented writers, I know, on, on all those shows that, uh, you know, kind of share um, duties across, you know, the different networks and stuff like that. So, um you know, I I think I think we're in good hands. We'll see how we'll see how the next seasons go here with the you know the addition of the uh, of the extra shows and stuff like that. But uh, I think uh, all three shows, uh, you know, Supergirl included, there are going to be pretty strong this season. I should think so because they've got a good thing going. I think they've attracted a lot of attention, a lot of people paying attention, and uh, I think that's cause for more outcry than I've heard in a long time of. DC following in Marvel's footsteps and finding a way to have their movies connected a bit more with television because I mean there was a huge outcry with with Smallville ending that they go ahead and let Tom Welling come and play Superman in some movies and which of course didn't happen yeah and so now we've got this second round where the television is so strong and that I gotta say the DC movies well other than those well the first two of the the, the newer Christopher Nolan Batman's were excellent you know but and then these other DC movies have been kind of meh. Yeah, you know the, the Dark Knight Rises was was well, it was okay, it was good, and then Man of Steel, uh, I I I wanted to like it. There was a lot of to like about it, but it just didn't feel like Superman. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, well, but we'll the, see what, now they're bringing uh, uh, Flash into the movies, um, and, yeah. and we'll see how how that works. I'm I'm uh, you know I'm I'm wary but uh, hopeful. That that a, a lot of these will uh, work out well, um, but for now I've got the TV series Flash, and I'm still super excited and having a great time with that. So, oh yes, and uh, a lot of potential things can happen this season because we did get teased for Killer Frost. Uh, I think we've been half expecting vibe after some of the things that happened to Cisco, and he's able to remember stuff that happened through alternate timelines and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's it's teasing that that's coming. And they've already went ahead and dropped the ball and say, oh, yeah, by the way, Jay Garrick. And I I hear there's a photo been leaked of the actor in his Flash costume who's playing Jay Garrick. Uh, yeah, yeah, he actually posted to it look. to his Instagram or Twitter uh, the other yeah, yesterday, I think it was. Yeah, well, and there's I haven't actually a chance to see even, a, even a trailer uh, with, a, with a very short scene of with him in it. Fantastic. So, um, so yeah. So, and only just a, just a few more days to wait for for that one. So, yeah, totally, terribly excited that there's a uh, superhero named Jay on TV right now. I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> I'm just kind of, you know, whatever. But one thing I was really expecting with uh, you know some potential changes on Arrow, where if if uh, if Oliver Queen is happy, he doesn't really have much reason to come back. And uh, be the arrow. So there's been a lot of prediction that something's going to happen to happen between him and Felicity, or something happened to Felicity that causes him to be unhappy. But what I would kind of would wouldn't be surprised about is from the end of Flash uh, with uh, Eddie Thawne killing himself and basically screwing up the entire timeline because you have Aobard Thawne from the future now doesn't even exist, so he doesn't come back and cause Barry to become the Flash. So what, what my thought would be is this weird. Uh, Vortex is was time changing, but because Barry was trying to stop it and ran up into it, and he's going into an Earth two, 
I'm thinking the entire world could be changing that, that he's used to. And when by the time he comes back to his normal world, he's still going to have the flash powers because he, mm-hmm. he didn't go properly through the vortex with everybody else. So he can a, still, you know, yeah. tap, touch the speed force. But those changes could maybe go and affect Arrow. And maybe that affects the Oliver Felicity relationship and, you know, alters the timeline over there. That's kind of my guess. I, I think it was on our, on our Green Justice Arrow podcast that I had this really convoluted theory about that last uh, season because I was trying to apologize for what Oliver was doing on that show and how we could possibly get him out of the stupid mess that the writers put him into. And so <laughs> I had a whole Back to the Future alternate timeline, and uh, it, uh, I posted a picture on our Facebook page, and um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen now. The, 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 <laughs> the, the, the Kind of the realization I came to with that uh, when we were discussing it uh, was that to be able – for people that don't watch Flash and just watch Arrow, if there are such people out there, to have something on another TV show affect your TV show at such a fundamental level would be... Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. did that. Almost Had a movie of. completely alter the entire series. With, with so which part? possible. Or with with uh, Captain America, Winter Soldier, the oh. events of that completely altered Agents of Shield. So, and people were able to go with it and thought it was cool. So, right, but they did the setup maybe? for that on. I know, but yeah, they, they had the setup on the show. I mean, they had elements of it there. I, I you know, yeah. I realize that you come back the next week and it's like if you didn't see the movie, it's like you know what's going on here. <laughs> but. Yeah, like what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. So I, I like you said, Jay. I don't, I don't. Think they'll do that just because it is a, a separate show. I I still am of the mind, and I know I don't have to wait too much longer to find this out. But I yeah. think that they're going to. Uh, it's going to be something that the the team convinces him to come back that he, only he can help them with. Um, you know, it's something dangerous or something has happened to Thea or or one of the others. But um, I think it's going to be more along the lines of, of that. I still don't know what. I don't know what would be serious enough to get him to come back, but um, we will find out, and then we will decide how well they pulled it off. Yeah, the, the teasers seem to be indicating that they can't find a way to convince him to come back. So I, you know, I don't know if there's going to be any ramifications from maybe an altered time at all, but I think there might be something. But yeah, I would really like to see how it is they convince him to come back because I, I, you know. His his motivation for becoming Arrow was at first was just simply trying to clean up his father's mess, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, trying to keep some sort of a motivation through each season, because like this this third season was really about questioning who he really is. And it seemed he decided, well, I'm all over Queen, and I'm this person, and I don't want this life anymore over here as the Arrow. I don't know how you spend an entire season building him to this certain conclusion to suddenly having him change his mind and finding a new motivation. I'm not sure how you do that, but I'm sure they found something cool that we're going to oh, yeah. just I think go out of our minds. They're going yeah. to uh, – I think they thought of something good. And I think it will tie back to his uh, – Let's see, one, two, three, four. Mission statement? <laughs> four, yes, tie back to his mission statement. No, his fourth year uh, in around the island. Not on the island. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, yeah, the not-island that he was supposed to have been yes. stranded on. Okay, oh, oh, how about in, in around the uh, you know five years of hell that he had to experience. So, there, um, yeah. But, so yeah, I think it'll, it'll somehow be connected to that, but... Um, Amanda Waller will be back. <laughs> so, and, and I think, you know, even with the... Uh, uh, I'm not going to say missteps. Even with the uh, directions that maybe we didn't expect season three to go, I did really enjoy the overall season, and I like a lot of the stuff that came out of it, including, uh, you know, Ray Palmer and um, uh, the way that they ended up taking uh, Thea and turning her into Speedy and the way that uh, Laurel became Black Canary. I really actually thought, I, I didn't know how they were going to accomplish those things. And the just the the subtle storylines that eventually all came together in the end, um, I was I was really pleased with with parts of that. You know, did it go maybe the exciting way that I expected when the season first started? No, but uh, I did like how they got to some of those things. So wasn't my favorite season, yeah. but I definitely enjoyed it overall. Yeah, it felt like some of the story they could have done a little faster, but they were trying to 
time it out just right with the Flash to have the Flash, you know, Barry show up in those few last few episodes to free them all and stuff like that. So I think it was it was a timing issue to keep them running together that they kind of stretch things out a little too far because it was great at the first and then it just it, as it, after that winter break is when it started to just slow down for me. Yeah, as we discussed, they uh, they they it seems like they had a storyline for their flashback that they needed to stretch to fill 22 episodes instead of resolving it sooner. And then by the time everybody kind of realized what was going on uh, for the main storyline, it's like, oh, we still have got another seven episodes. And uh, we just, on our one of our summer specials, we just went through all the different episodes. And it's like, this was a really good episode. It was a standalone episode, and it kind of stepped away from the main plot of Oliver is he going to be a bad guy or is he not going to be a bad guy? And they just kind of prolonged the stuff and tried to stretch the, uh, the believability um, and, uh, you know, make the audience really think that Oliver was going to be a bad guy when we all know full well that that's not going to happen. And so it, it almost bordered on ridiculousness uh, by the time they got down to the last three or four episodes, I think. I was really kind of wondering if they would take it the direction where it's like, okay, well, if I am now the head of the League of the Assassins and they do everything I say, can't I say, all right, no more killing, but you will now, you know, we are going to be this team and we can go save these cities, but we don't have to kill anybody to do it. I know I know, because I've been doing it for the past year, you know. <laughs> I would have loved that for a different twist of things. Mm-hmm. But uh, I like what they did do it, where it was the the big ruse and everything. But I the, I had that question in the back of my head: If you're in charge, can't you say the killing stops now? Then, I, but then they're I not think, the League of Assassin anymore. Yeah, no, <laughs> right. They got to yeah, change their I name. The League of Assassin. URL. <laughs> Lawyers get involved. Red tape. URL. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I think the League of Assassins itself is just too is much so much bigger than one man or one leader. I don't think. Uh, he could have made that big of big of change without um, some serious repercussions of somebody saying, uh, I don't like this. I think maybe we'll try to take it from him and, and uh, you know, make it what it's supposed to be. But um, yeah, we had, yeah, we, we kind of speculated whether, whether he could do that or not, but um, in the end it all worked out and he got a little vacation. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did y'all think of the actor who played Ra's al Ghul or do you prefer Ra's al Ghul? Were you guys happy with his performance? At, at first, I was a little skeptical. Um, in the end, I, I you know I thought it worked, but I, I, yeah, I different. liked his I liked his monologue scenes and everything. But I, I don't know. He, he this seems weird to say because one of the things that I always uh, joke about for the show, because since it's on the CWs, you know, it's like everyone, you know, they could have. Um, Doc Brown show up on the show and he'd be played by a 28 year old hot chiseled man. Um, <laughs> you know, so to have Matt Nabel on there who is, I think he's mid forties or something like that. I mean, he looked really good for his age, but, and I know he's supposed to be kind of immortal. I, I, I don't know. It, there were some things about it that uh, worked and some other things that I felt that didn't work. I, I thought he's a really good actor, but in the, in the vein that they were going to with the the League of Assassins, they they, they got into a little more melodrama, uh, you know, kind of Shakespearean stuff there, which I think worked well for him. But that's not kind of the stuff that's how Stephen Amell is seen in the show. So it was a it was just a different tone that they were setting with it. But I mean, he he did a he did a good job for what he was brought on for. I thought. Yeah, I I'd say he's definitely a good actor, but I don't know if he was necessarily right for. For the role, except for maybe the way they were presenting him, because I really, I really enjoyed Liam Neeson's performance of Rachel Ghoul, mm-hmm. and because to me the 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 best Rachel Ghoul I've seen was actually the old Batman animated series, because that's when I was first introduced to him, and just having um oh and I can't think of his name he was in Tron um Jeff Bridges oh <laughs> went right out my head it wasn't Jeff Bridges it was you know he was the he was uh um Sark oh David Warner. You know? David Warner, having David Warner in there voicing Rachel Gould and the way he did it, because he has just enough of that very distinguished kind of British accent that it has that 
highly intelligent sound. And I think that's part of what I thought was missing from the portrayal of Rachel Ghoul is you could tell he was supposed to be this kind of wizened guy, but it didn't sound and he didn't carry himself the the way I expected him to. Yeah. For, for he me, didn't seem wise. The, the character, I mean, because I was introduced to the character with in Batman comics back when Neil Adams was drawing him and, um, and in like Batman, son of the demon, the graphic novel. So I, I, I kind of felt he should have been more Arabic um, because that's yeah. kind of what he's designed as. And, you know, Liam Neeson, I thought he did a great job for that, but you know, it's kind of getting into that discussion of like whitewashing of uh, people of color and stuff like that. And in, in movies and, and it, it's great, but you know, that's not really the background for uh, Rasha Ghoul. So, you know, again, you, 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 it's a balancing act, right? It's like, you know, what can you get? What do you want to do with the character? Um, so we'll see. Yep. And I, part of me still expects him to not be dead, though. Because <laughs> it's Rachel Ghoul. He can't die, right? So I'm, I still have somewhere in the back of my head that he's going to be back. Uh, even even if he's not a major player in any of the current storylines, you know, I don't he, know. Pretty he, much he everybody who's died on Arrow has stayed dead, right, Josh? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> everybody, because you know, there's nothing. There's not going to be a Lazarus pit in Arrow. Remember? <laughs> dead shot so. kills me oh, every time. <laughs> ah, one mistake at the beginning of the series. You know, that's okay. I know, beginning of series. <laughs> I'm like, oh well, they killed him off pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I, we pretty much, I guess, got to wrap it up. I'd kind of like to hear if you have any predictions for Flash and Arrow of something you, you were expecting to see that you're excited about. Uh, but we're running kind of short on time. Well, I'll, I'll, make, I'll, I'll do a, a quick Flash prediction. Uh, or not – well, I don't know. I'm excited to see where they go with it. Um, I am actually very excited to see uh, how they use Jay Garrick. I always – that version of the Flash has always been um, – um, fun for me, uh, and uh, I'd also am very interested to see how they bring back Tom Cavanaugh and uh, how they're going to be using Professor Zoom. So um, yes. I I don't know I don't know how they're going to work it, but every time I I wonder about things like that, those writers pull something out that makes me excited and and uh, usually scream out loud. So yeah, um, I'm I'm very excited about that. I'm hopeful with an altered timeline that that. Tom Cavanaugh can come back and actually really be Professor Wells because mm-hmm. nobody went back and killed him. Right. Exactly. So he could still be but, the character. But that relationship will be totally different. So we'll see. Oh, yes. Because yeah. Barry, Barry will have his own timeline that, like, with my kind of thought with the vortex of he went through it, maybe he's not altered like everybody else is, mm-hmm. but he would come back and there's the real Professor Wells, but the way he's going to remember it is going to be different. So there's going to be a bit of tension, you know, even though that's the real thing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. so that's that's what I'm uh, looking forward to on Flash. On oh, no. yeah, and and especially if you consider the possibility with a Killer Frost, uh, the interesting thing from that is you could have. Oh, and I forgot the character's name altogether. Caitlin. Uh, Caitlin. Caitlin. Yeah. Yes, because him him and Caitlin were you know kind of close, kind of good friends. But if you if he comes back and it's a completely changed world where they don't even know him, then that really does it makes it interesting. Plus, it does kind of feed into the possibility to where we could see her grow and become the Killer Frost, mm-hmm. that the tragic part is that Barry remembers the way she was in his timeline, but she's kind of maybe a different person. Uh, you know, This possibility type of thing. But anyways, Jay, you were going to say? I was going to say, on, on Arrow, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to what they do with the uh, flashbacks this year. Uh, they, As I said before, they kind of faltered, I think, on the flashbacks last year because they didn't quite have enough to fill it out. And we kind of know where the flashbacks have to end up uh, next season, presumably end up. I mean, the fact that he gets off the island if we're kind of doing it as a year by year. So this year is kind of unknown, and it looks like they're introducing a new love interest to him in the flashbacks. Um, And uh, we've got a bunch of new uh, characters that are coming on to show, including uh, uh, Mr. Terrific, uh, as well as other guest stars with... um, uh, you know, from the Flash and stuff like that. So uh, I'm I'm eager to see them lighten up a little bit, as well as expand their mythos and and get stuff ready for uh, Legends of Tomorrow. Yep, and maybe even a surprise appearance by Gorilla Grodd on Arrow. How cool would that oh, be? That would be great. Ooh, that would be nice. <laughs> see how they find a way to to uh, deal with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, but once again, so you guys can be found on Green Justice. 
Scarlet Velocity and Agents of Shield case files, and all of these are on Random Chatter. Randomchatter.com with uh, the premieres of the new uh, season. Uh, each time there's a new season uh, episode coming out in the next couple weeks here, they'll also be on Forcecast.net. So you can find us there, find us on iTunes, find us on Stitcher, find us on Twitter, find us on Facebook. Just find us. <laughs> if you look, you'll find them. Yes. <laughs> I have checked. If you, if you Google any of those uh, show titles, you'll you'll find our podcast, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Case Files, Green Justice, or Scarlet Velocity. And, of course, look for links in your show notes for Neverland Podcast. And, of course, Jedi Schwa or Joshua, whichever you want to call him, <laughs> can also be heard on Techno Retro Dads. You've heard their promo several times on this show already, and if you haven't started listening to them, I don't know why you're not. So it's him and Shaz Bazaar, and they're having a grand old time talking about things that they enjoyed when they were young and sharing it with their children. It's a great show. It does remind me of kind of what I'm doing, but I'm doing a more of a Disney version of the same thing. <laughs> we're having a good time, and it's now October, so we're going to be uh, uh, sneaking up here on Halloween. And, of course, oh, yes. Back to the Future is uh, very important this month, so uh, we may be talking about that as well. Great Scott! <laughs> yeah, Great Scott is what you might hear me exclaim when you hear what's going on with the uh, Techno Retro Fantasy Football League. It's my first time trying to do fantasy football, and I'm 0-3. <laughs> oh, no. Well, the whole idea is I'm to have fun. Killed. And, and you've already got a better record than I did last year. I don't know how that works, but I think I lost more than three games in the first three weeks. So it's, you know... <laughs> And it didn't help that Drew Brees didn't play this week. Is that really hurt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah, you got to check that. So, <laughs> yeah, the thing is, I think that's the only quarterback I grabbed. I got Carson Palmer in that weird position of of it's like a WR whatever. So I guess he's just automatic points for whatever he does. <laughs> but yeah, I need a backup quarterback, and I didn't draft one, so I'm not very good at this. But anyway, <laughs> so then Jay has another show that he does. It's for all you Star Wars fans. It's uh, called Jedi Journals. It uh, covers Star Wars literature, uh, everything you need to know about books, comics, and magazines monthly on ForceCast.net. And, uh, my co-host Chris and I, we break down everything that's going on. I'll tell you about all the books that are coming out in advance of uh, The Force Awakens and uh, occasionally have interviews with different authors, artists, and uh, uh, other literature-related folks. And I have to tell you, I, I, I have never met anybody in the entire universe that knows more about Star Wars literature than Jay does. So I, I highly recommend listening to that show. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. I'm sure you had a great episode when they decided that nothing in those books was canon anymore. Yeah, <laughs> like, <"What?" laughs> yeah we've, oh, but, we've, we've had several different conversations about stuff along those lines. And, uh, but uh, it's uh, it's all fun because, you know, if, uh, if you've got books on your shelf and they're, they're stories that you like to read, you can read whatever you want to read and believe whatever you want to believe, and that's totally cool. And if you like the new stuff that's coming out, that's great as well. Yep. Oh, and you must have been excited about uh, the announcement I just picked up today that uh, December 18th, they are going to have a lot of different Star Wars Force Awakens tie-in books. Yeah, they, uh, they've they got a bunch that they just released at the beginning of September called Journey to the Force Awakens that are teasing elements about it but uh, are telling stories you know, shortly after Return of the Jedi, and then, yeah, basically, as soon as the the day the movie hits, uh, you get, I don't know, I think there's a couple dozen different books, you know, for <laughs> for little kids as well as for adults. Yeah. Sticker books and the art of Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, art of Star Wars: Force Awakens. Uh, those are the kind of books that I'm I look forward to in the making of, which will won't be due out until I think March. Ah, uh, well, thanks guys for coming on today. This was fun. Well, thanks thank for inviting you. us. Yes, thank you very much, and uh, you know, I I really encourage everybody to watch these uh, all three of these TV series because they're they're a lot of fun, and and Jay and I have a great time talking about them and uh, comparing them to uh, different uh, characters and and Easter eggs that they put in that are in the comic books as well. So um, that's always fun to find those. Yeah, and especially if you're like a Marvel Disney type guy like me, it's always fun to be able to go through and experience these characters and then get excited about a character and then jump on Google and say, oh, I want to know more about this person and the fun of discovery. And that's, that's really how I've been through the season because, like I said, I'm not a DC guy. I just like some of the characters. Uh, but I've learned so much about different villains, and I, mean, I hadn't even heard of Killer Frost until, you know, with Caitlin there. Mm -hmm. uh, so it just it's really fun to go and learn more and get excited about the comics. And then, oh, by the way, actually read some of the comics, because you'll probably like those, too. <laughs> For sure. 
Yeah, that's one of my philosophies. If you're enjoying the movies that Marvel makes or the movies or TV shows that DC makes, go read some of the comics because reading is fundamental. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> the more you know. Do, do, do. And then when you start reading, you can start reading more Star Wars books and listen to Jay's show. See? See it all works. It all ties together. It's all it's connected. It's all connected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right. Well, thanks, guys. Well, thank you. Okay, well, that's going to wrap things up for us. I do remind you to go to btmpodcast.com for Behind the Magic. See how we do with the creativity round of their Disney Podcasters Tournament. Also, don't forget to check out Green Justice, Scarlet Velocity, Techno Retro Dads, and, of course, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s Case File. I'm going to put all these links into the show notes. Also, you're going to find all of these other podcasts are going to become friends of the show, and they'll have a nice little icon there at NeverlandPodcast.com, which, by the way, make sure you visit. Find out how you can become an official Lost Boy or Pixie by joining the Neverlanders. Why do we have Pixies and not Lost Girls? Because girls are too clever and they don't get lost. Uh, also come, of course, back next week. We're going to have lots more fun. And, you know, we're coming up on the the magic day for Back to the Future Part 2. So, uh, yeah, definitely stick around. I'm going to kind of... I'm going to figure out what I want to do for that. I have not decided yet. There's just so much to do. But make sure you come back next week. And remember to keep that pixie in your pocket. By, Of course, I mean that's that young at heart and very good attitude. And make sure you share it with others by sometimes just a handshake, a hug, or a, or a hey, good morning, how are you today? Until we see you next week, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Blueberry. We love to hear from you on Twitter.com slash Neverland and Facebook.com slash Neverland Podcast. Leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492 and send email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. Join us next week and we'll once again go to Disney and beyond. The Neverland Podcast is copyright Blue Band Productions and all original content belongs to the same. Other content is copyright of their respective creators and is used under Creative Commons license. <laughs>